Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Let's take command from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. He used to, keywords, used to play in the NFL. <laughs> um, I, I'm Craig Hoffman. I just host a radio show, and I never did. Uh, so the other big talking points this week are the third down defense and then Antonio Gibson's evolving True. role. And I want to start with Gibson because in a, like when we talk about like the silver lining stuff with the O-line, I actually kind of wonder if this might wind up being a silver lining situation with how Gibson, Robinson, and McKissick are used this season. Nevertheless, Curtis Samuel, who should also be mentioned here, is a guy who will get carries. Uh, and that's been like the bright spot of training camp. The plan, so to speak, is working. Um, he's continued to be in practice all week. He looked good in the preseason game, and he's expected to play as much as anybody else uh, his full complement of snaps on Saturday. So with with Gibson, he fumbles. He let the league in fumbles the last two years. Like It's obviously a problem. They have now gone seemingly to an approach where he is – a potential rotation piece for them where he's going to have some kind of other role on the team because he's not so vital to the offense and playing so much on the offense that you can't afford him to play special teams even if it is just as a kick returner like they are giving him reps back there he got some reps as the personal punt protector and considering what we saw from Brian Robinson which is an extension of the things that you've been seeing since the spring with Brian Robinson I actually wonder if a more even carry distribution and the chance for Gibson to make an impact in other areas could be the highest and best use to use that phrase again for those two backs. Nevertheless, what it could open for J.D. McKissick and, you know, whatever Samuel's going to get, that's probably untouched, but certainly Samuel will be in the mix to get a couple of carries every couple of games. Yeah, and I think we talked about this on the show before, uh, basically saying that I think that you know, uh, Gibson getting less touches is beneficial for not only Gibson, but also for the offense as a whole. And I could see a world where um, Robinson ends up with more touches than Gibson, you know, as a, as a runner. And I think, um, and I think that's, 
holding true. I think that's still a fair analysis. And what I mean by that is two days ago, uh, two days ago, three days ago when they had pads on, like Gibson lined up at receiver a whole bunch and made a whole bunch of plays in the passing game, two minute, um, you know, seven on seven. And so that was nice to see. And again, like I think about these running back combinations that are really successful, that are a little bit more traditional. And one of them is the guy, to me, the perfect example is the, the, the guys up in Green Bay, AJ Dillon being that big, bruising kind of back with good vision I think he's a little bit more of a bruiser than Robinson but again the vision transfers the physicality transfers and then uh, Aaron Jones who's kind of this pass catching slash weapon and he's he's a great runner he's a better runner than Gibson but I think in terms of explosive play potential the 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 comparisons are very very similar so I think that kind of usage pattern would be great and then you throw McKissick in there too and having three guys like that is pretty spectacular I think so um, you know, Tan and I were talking was talking about this, this on the show early in the offseason about who the kick returner is going to be, and I was like, why not have Gibson do it? Like, he is a space player. He's better in space. Kick return is a space type of play. He did it in college. Why not get him out there? Like, I'd almost like to see him return punts. Like, let the man touch the football in space situations. Pass game, run game, uh, specific specific types of runs, much like they use Tony Pollard, and then find other ways to get him the football. Like, even though his rushing touches will go down, like he might be more effective with those other types of touches. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for Gibson. I think it's, it should be a wake-up call. You know, it's it's so, I don't say ironic, but like the, the day after, you know, he's, one of the things I noticed about like Alfred Morris never fumbled the football or very rarely fumbled the football. And one of the things about him is that ball was bolted to his chest. When he was cutting, when he was falling, he would fall on his face before the ball left his chest. And today we were watching Gibson do drills, Santana and I, and the second he makes a cut, that ball starts to drift away from his body. Like, it's just who he is. And I don't know if they, why they can't get it corrected, but to me, like, that, that needs to be a bigger point of emphasis, probably by the running backs coach Randy Jordan, just to say, hey, like, this, anytime we're doing anything, that ball needs to be stapled to that peck. And um, until that happens, like, he's not going to get a lot of touches. I, I don't think. Because, like, there's the risk. And Brian Robinson... He's been a running back his whole life. That thing, it does not move from his body under any circumstance. So he's not, I don't think he's going to put the football on the ground. So that that's kind of the question is like, can they fix it? Or is it just because the way I treated it on the show on Monday when I was talking about this on, on the radio side of things was like, you don't have to cut Antonio Gibson because there's some people no. that are like, oh, he's terrible. Blah, blah. And it's like, no, that's we've now swung ridiculously far the other way. What you do have to do is assume that he's going to fumble every so often you just have to factor that into your equation of how and when you use him and if there's certain situations like if you're in the red zone and you're like we cannot afford to lose points here then gibson's not in the game because you're gonna give the ball to a guy that you feel like you can trust to not fumble it if you're running out of your own end same thing but like between the twenties, when your entire playbook is available, and a guy like Gibson in space and the versatility is something that could be beneficial, sure. Like he's still got a very large role potentially on this team. It's just not like unquestioned RB one, and right. I think that as good as Robinson has been, that was still the case until he put that ball on the turf against Carolina. Right, and I think it was you know it was interesting talking to guys, coaches, players around the building before the game. There were there was enough whispers that I was starting to doubt whether that was true anyway. You know what I mean? And maybe this proved this, this just served as the catalyst to kind of make that switch official. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, guys were talking, oh, you know, you really got to watch so-and-so. Brian Robinson, oh, my God, he's going to be special. And that's not just one person. That was multiple people. Players were saying that. And so, obviously, that was kind of reflective of a mindset in the building. And um, and not that that's an indictment on AG, but maybe they wanted to get him more. And I wanted to bring this point up, right? So, um, there's a value. There's a value in this offense with this quarterback to having a running back who's not going to take a, a negative play. Who's going to bat a single every single time? Who's going to get you two or three yards kind of at a minimum? And Brian Robinson on his college tape through training camp in the preseason so far has been that guy. You know, like I like to make the comparison, like we compared him to A.J. Dillon. Like A.J. Dillon, like he's not a flashy runner. He's not, you know, super sexy. But the dude does not take negative runs. And that is valuable because it keeps you on schedule. Third and seven, or, or second and seven, Second and four, or second and six is awesome for an offense because you're ahead of you're ahead of the defense at that point, and that's just from having a consistent runner at the position. Imagine you know it's it's second and ten, and you're able to run the ball for five yards, and you're in third and five. That is a big deal as opposed to getting a zero gain or whatever that is. So that I think is where the value is right now for him is that you can trust him to keep you on schedule. And while McKissick and while Gibson are tremendous athletes and they provide this explosive playability as runners they can't give you that with the same percentage of certainty that robinson can yeah i and by the way i do think mckissick is a little underrated as a runner he, he gets so oh, much credit yeah. as a pass catcher for the obvious reasons that he's as good as there is in the league that's not named alvin Kamara, um yeah. but at least statistically but I, I do think he's a good runner too that that we'll see that play out throughout the year it's gonna be interesting to watch passion drive and patience What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The other problem that kind of lingered from last year into this year in terms of carryover, uh, to at least to game one, was the third down defense. Carolina goes 11 of 18 on third down. Uh, it's been a top a talking point all week for Jack for when he took the podium yesterday. Uh, Bobby McCain was asked about it. Ron's obviously been asked about it. And Jack said something that I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, which is that we're talking about the the three at least given up by that first team defense on the first drive. It's all different problems. And he said it is like, well, it's, you know, it's not like we're repeating the same problem. That's, that's a good thing. And I'm like, is it, is it a good thing that you've got different problems? I mean, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, where I've, where I've fallen after thinking about it for a couple of days is yes. Like you've got some individual issues that, that need to be cleaned up. You don't have like a larger systemic thing that is causing a repeat issue. But, you know, hey, we made three different mistakes on three different key third down situations. It uh, doesn't exactly make you feel, you know, warm and fuzzy inside. So what did you see on, on the third downs, uh, not only with the first team, but like any any patterns that may have emerged to you throughout the game where, where they ultimately give up over 50% to Carolina? 
Right. So I got to say this to start. The defense did a good job. They played physically in the front. They matched concepts well with the back, the four back guys, right? Um, Fuller, Bobby McCain, uh, old Billy Three himself, and then um, Cam Curl. You know, when they were in their coverage contours, they did a good job, right? And the front did a good job in terms of fitting runs and playing physical football and creating pressure. Like, they, they had a good outing, I would say. I think the problem comes on the third downs, obviously, with some of the communication issues. Like, the first one, like... Cam Curl's played a lot of Buffalo Nickel, but he's definitely played more safety during training camp. In this game, because of the personnel groupings that Carolina was in, he played a little bit more Buffalo Nickel than I think he was probably, than, than the training camp would indicate, right? So he gets in a situation where he doesn't know all of the adjustments. He knows a lot of it. He's a very smart football player, but there's a little bit of a miscommunication with him and Holcomb. I get that. That happens in the Also, by the way, on that play... Was they were were they in man and was that also Danny Johnson issue to carry him across the formation? So they pass like when they, when pe- when teams run mesh versus certain coverages and they have a lot of coverages in and I try to tell everyone this who will listen it's so hard in the NFL even for offensive coordinators defensive coordinators from other teams to tell exactly what the rules are because every situation dictates a little bit of a rule right so for example they're in a three by one there with the tight end. You know, maybe they don't pass that usually, or maybe they do. It looked like to me, I'm going to defer to Holcomb in that situation, who looked like he wanted to pass the concept, right? Right. And Curl was the one who's kind of backing off, like, I don't really know what to do, right? So that's where I would say they probably should have passed it. And again, I might be wrong. You know, that's a Jack Del Rio question, and he's probably the only one in the building who could answer that specifically. Him or Rock, the safeties coach, you know? Um, but I think that, that that's an issue, right? That needs to be corrected. And that happens with reps, right? That just happens with time on task, seeing new things. And if they had been game planning, I don't think that's an issue because they would have prepped for it, you know? So right. that's one thing. The second thing is they, they run like an arches. So like they're in a three by one. The, um, the inside receiver runs like a gather route. So he takes the way the middle linebacker and then number two runs basically like a big slant in the slot on uh, Danny Johnson. And Danny Johnson, his help is outside it's the safety right so he should funnel that player out but Danny weaves too wide right he opens his hip too early and the guy crosses his face so when you get to talk I had a little conversation with some of the defensive coaches earlier in the week and they were like yeah we just got to keep our leverages a little bit better like if he keeps his leverage like that's a non-issue and again that's a young player a relatively young player who doesn't get a lot of reps with that group in a situation which he's never been in before versus a look that he hasn't seen in camp really because our defense does our offense doesn't run that concept out of that formation usually okay so again I'm not that worried about that again like Danny can get better he had a pretty good game outside of that and Cam can get better and I think both those problems are corrected just by time on task seeing different looks and getting better and I don't remember the third down the other third down that the uh uh was there the touchdown? was it was no. It was a running play where Payne kind of got blown out of his gap. Uh, Cole. It was like third and three, oh, yeah. third and the four. Pop. They yeah. have a five five yard run. Cole winds up making the tackle, but it, it, Payne kind of gets gets blown out. Maybe Jamin could have cut through and made a play uh, sooner. But yeah. I, I didn't. I remember. You know. So when I yeah. watched that, I kind of thought Cole went to the wrong gap. You know, what I mean, he kind of tried to play into a gap that he shouldn't have been in, just trying to make a play. And again, that's one of those elements of preseason. You get the butterflies, right? Jamin misfit the first run of the game, you know? 
Cole misfits that run because you, you're Ron excited. Ron had a pretty funny quote about that too. Uh, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was like, you know, I asked Jamin what happened. He's like, coach, I got so excited to hit somebody. I just went out there and I, I scraped when I should have fit or what, what, yeah. he did the opposite of whatever should've, he was supposed to do. Yeah, he, 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 he saved He's like, I just hit, hit the first thing I saw. Yeah. And he's like, all right, we'll yeah. settle in and let's, let's go get yeah. him next time. Yeah, and so I think that, that stuff happens. And again, I know fans don't want to hear that, but these are young football players with – you know, lim- like relatively limited playing careers. And I think those things happen. And it's okay that they happen in preseason. And again, when you are game planning for an opponent as a defense, remember defense is a very reactive uh, side of the football, right? You want to know what they run out of certain formations. And this is the first preseason game I remember playing this is the worst game because you have no idea what they're going to do. You have no idea what coverages they're going to run. You have a, You can guess, but you don't really know. And you don't prep for it because the coaches don't care. So they're just like, go out there and play, just react and play football. But in reality, you would have a better indication of how you were supposed to fit these certain runs. And I think that's just important for people to remind it. And they might have seen those runs in camp, but it's not the freshest thing in their mind because our offense or the, the commander's offense runs it a little bit different. So I, the thing I want to take away in terms of defense and third down is do you want to get it corrected? Absolutely. Do I think all of those issues are correctable? 100%. Do I think even just game planning will help with that? Yes, but the things that I liked are things that are not are not coachable, right? They're like mindset, physicality, setting the tempo, and being the aggressor in a game. And I like that they came out with that mentality. The other stuff is correctable. Is it frustrating to see as a fan? 1,000%. But I think it's stuff that will that, get better. And I expect it to be better this week against Kansas City. 